From WERA 96.7 in Arlington, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with D.C. area musicians to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. I'm Eliza Burkhan. Today we have pageant queen and Cinema Hearts vocalist, guitarist Caroline Weinroth. Welcome. Hey. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the pageant queen thing. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> what's what's the backstory there? It started when I was 18, um, actually because I wanted a place where I could play guitar, but as an 18-year-old girl who's a freshman in college, really the only spots I could find off campus were bars, which wasn't always conducive to what I wanted to do. Um, and then I learned about the Miss America organization and how they have a talent portion. And that, to me, was one of the first stages I wanted to perform on. So I did it at 18. Um, it wasn't really for me at the time. So I didn't come back until I had graduated college at 22. And so then, if I can interrupt, yeah. why was it not for you at the time? Um, I later realized the pageant itself, the one I competed in, was just disorganized. And one thing that I'm very interested in when it comes to pageants is making it accessible for people who don't normally do it or don't normally watch it. And a lot of the times it can be very hard to join and assimilate and compete if you have no idea what you're doing. So it was just tough at the time. Um, so then what brought you back? <laughs> Uh, well, I had volunteered at George Mason University where I went to school um, doing a lot of service projects based around music. So I mentored a lot of the underclassmen who wanted to perform. Um, I volunteered with girls rock camps. And once I graduated, I no longer had that community and that outlet at school through the Music Productions Club. Uh, so I wanted a way to be able to combine my interests in volunteering and performing and I found it again through Miss America. So later on, I won um, the Miss Northern Virginia pageant. So I was the 2018 Miss Nova. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Um, and it's really inspiring that I get to kind of change the narrative about how women in music are represented by using the Miss America title to spread awareness and be able to talk to people about why music matters and why it can be a way for girls to build confidence. Okay, so was that... Your platform? Or yeah. Like, so each yeah, person has a platform, and mine okay. was called Music Empowerment. Okay. Um, so what's sort of one of the pillars of your argument for um, the importance of music, especially mm -hmm. in the lives of women? Yeah. So for me, it was very much being able to share your voice and share your perspective and being able to connect with other people in your community through music. And because I'm not just a performer, I also work behind this. He's a sound engineer. I was also very passionate about sharing with people that really only 2% of audio engineers are women. Hmm. And if we have 98% of men creating the sound in our world, what kind of perspectives will we hear? What kind of opinions will we hear in our media? So just changing the story on that and telling people that it's important to get girls and women involved so that way we can create our stories. Sure. So not even just on the stage, but even behind the scenes. Right. Okay. Let's talk about Cinema Hearts. Sure. So you started that band. Uh, it's a basically a, like a retro doo-wop trio that's a few years old now, right? Like, well, when was it founded? Um, 2015. So I'm realizing it gets old and old and older, just like I do. But um, <laughs> I mean, four years old isn't really almost five. Okay. Um, so we're reaching on that. Uh. Yeah, I think it's funny when you say like doo-wop trio. In my head, yes. that reminds me of like 
like vocalists only. So okay. I should say that we're more of like a garage rock band, but I'm very inspired by sure. Like There's that the vocal sound, element, yeah, right, right. for sure, and that song structure, yeah. Okay, I was a musical theater singer, and I thought. I really wanted to be on stage as the star, and I was always cast in the ensemble. Mm. So <laughs> I was, I just wanted to be front and center and be able to also share songs and lyrics from my perspective, which I didn't always get in a lot of musical theater songs that I auditioned for. What do you mean your perspective? Um, like a modern young woman, a modern young woman who's not white. That was one reason I kind of dropped out of theater. Um, <laughs> and being able to like combine what the things that I love about being a girl, um, being in the suburbs, um, having a lot of my friends move away once I went to college. That was very much inspirational at the time when I was starting. Um, and I love playing in the D.C. area. I just think the music scene around here is so special because everyone's very kind to one another mm -hmm. and they're very open minded. Mm -hmm. I think that's just one of the most valuable things about the D.C. music scene. Sure. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your experience in Woman in E uh, <laughs> exhibit at the Hershey okay. in a couple this years This was ago. also, yes, this is also a while ago. Um, you have a lot of claims to fame. I know, but it's, it's very funny when you ask me these kind of things because I always feel like I'm very much a person who's like, um, of the present and also thinking about the next immediate future. You're like, that was so like when, 10 years right, ago. So when you bring like, something up from a long time like, ago, what? I'm like, I really don't remember. Um, but Women in E, it was at the Hershorn Museum, a uh, performance art piece that featured um, 14 women, including myself, uh, playing the same note, the same chord, E minor, on electric guitar. We wore these long gold glittery dresses and it kind of spun in a circle, sort of like, um, like a ballerina in a music box. And it was at the Hershorn from October 2016 to January 2017. Um, and I got it right after I graduated from college. Okay. So it was like my first dream job in a sense. How did you even find out about that opportunity? A friend of mine um, sent it to me via Facebook message. She showed, she sent me the, the casting call link that they had. She said, you should do this. And I saw the photo and it was from uh, Women in E where it debuted in Detroit of a woman in a gold gown holding guitar. You're like, and, that's me. Yeah, I, instantly I, I was like, yes, I need to do this. Yeah. Um, and actually it's funny because in my audition, I, I played a La Luz song, who we'll listen to later. I played a surf rock song. And when they asked me why I wanted to be a part of the show, I said, well, I love Miss America. And I've always wanted Miss America to play electric guitar. And that's what this is. Funny Perfect. enough that like then years later, I was like a Miss America title holder playing electric guitar. Right. It, it, it all comes so, together. Right. Um, but I owe a lot to Women in E because, like I said, it was the first uh, music job I had out of college. And... It brought me closer to a lot of women in the area who are still doing amazing things in music. And it also kind of, it sounds like very strange, but it was like my first brush with like Instagram fame, hmm. which was very odd to me at the time. So, so what, what happened? A lot of the guests was, in Portman Attraction. Yeah, I mean, people just, Instagram. yeah, and people just recognized me from uh, either Women in Eve from them seeing it at the museum in real life, or they recognize me from press photos. Mm -hmm. It sometimes still happens, which is very strange to me. <laughs> people go, no, people woman? will. They'll say, were you and women in E? Yeah. And I just think it's remarkable because, like I said, there was 14 of us. So that, and we all, the point was that we all were kind of supposed to dress the same and sure. act the same. Sure, Though we all looked very different. 
So I find it very special that they uh, remember me, which is very kind. It was also very neat because I was one of the younger performers. I was maybe like the third youngest. So being able to hang out with all these women who are older than me and making this amazing music and just living the life of an artist was so inspiring. I bet. I bet. Um, okay, so back to Cinema Hearts for a little bit. Um I wanted to play the song, I Want You, But I Don't Need You, but tell us a little bit about that song before we hear it. Um, It's a great title. Thank you. This song was dedicated to all the young men who told me they were too busy to date me um, because I'm (laughs) one of the busiest women alive. I know how to work my Google Calendar. So (laughs) So it's no excuse. Yeah, so I guess the moral of the song is I think it's totally fine to tell someone you don't want to date them, and I think that's the much uh, more empathetic way to handle a breakup. Um, easier said than done, so I get it. Uh, but that the song I Want You But I Don't Need You was sort of a uh, response song to people trying to break up with me gently, and I would have just rather they were just upfront, just direct, very business like, you know, we don't have time to waste. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's hear a little of I Want You But I Don't Need You. Babe, I want you, but I don't need you. You can call me, but you don't have to. Honey, anytime that you are free. Okay, how did you get into this, for lack of a better term, doo-woppy sound? Um, it was the only thing I could sing. So, okay, um, besides musical theater. Well, I can't really sing musical theater, so that's why I wasn't cast. Okay, why, why, why do you say you can't sing musical theater? Um, well, a lot of the roles I wanted to play in um, a lot of musicals is for a voice that's much higher timbre than what I can sing. So okay. I have a lower voice, um, which was much more suited to a lot of the pop songs, early rock and roll songs um, of the 1950s and 1960s. Um, So I'm very good at singing a song, like, let's say from 1940 to 1970. That's like my wheelhouse. (laughs) And um, maybe like some 1990s like rock songs. But other than that, it's rather challenging. This is really interesting. I've never thought about the concept of range expanding or the expectations for women to be able to sing higher today than once was the case a few decades ago. Oh, for sure. I mean, to talk about musical theater, uh, I was a real nerd, and I loved original Broadway cast recordings more than their revivals because in the original cast recordings, you heard these imperfect voices, Mm -hmm. and you heard these voices that sometimes were a little pitchy, and uh, sometimes they they just didn't aim to sing the highest note possible. Whereas nowadays in cast recordings and wherever you look, whether it's American Idol or on the radio or heck, Miss America pageants, everyone's trying to sing that big, big note mm-hmm. and not all of us have that. So. But I feel like the big note is often a belting note that's like yeah. right, you know, right before your break. Not necessarily, unless you're doing an operatic song, not right. necessarily like a high C. Or- um, well, if we want to get real technical, my break <laughs> is like a high B flat. Okay. Um, I think the highest, the highest note I've hit in a recording, I think is a C or a C sharp, which is me on a good day. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I don't know, the Katy Perry's, Lady Gaga's, and Adele's of the world can kind of go higher than that. Okay, you talk about, like, two octaves above middle C? Like, the high? No, you, one okay, octave. You're, please. So, so, like, in belting range. Okay, I get, I get, what, get where you're going. Uh, yeah. I wish. So, interesting topic for further research is uh, the change of uh, the expected vocal range of Yeah, if anyone wants singers. to uh, hit me up and talk about range and pitch, I would love to It'd geek another, out with you. Another podcast. <laughs> there we go. And there a shout-out to my friend Patrick Flynn, who hosts the original cast podcast, which is all about... Oh, I follow that. Well, there you go. So you need to be on that. I, think. <laughs> um, I also want to hear or want to play rather your song Cherish. Um, there's a very mysterious quality to that song. Tell us yeah. a little bit about it before we hear it. Um, I wrote Cherish for a film that a friend of mine was making. And he told me he wanted it to sound like a song from Twin Peaks. Oh. He wanted it to have a mysterious sound to it. Um and I think Cherish was the last song I wrote for the album it's on, Burned and Burnished. And similar to I Want You But I Don't Need You, it's sort of the same theme that, like, as the lyrics go, sometimes love doesn't last. But that doesn't mean it was bad. It doesn't mean that I regret it. It kind of just means we learned something here. Sure. <laughs> um, so I Cherish to me is one of my favorite songs because it's very tender and very honest. Um, like, it doesn't blame... Uh, the other person it doesn't blame any parties and how a relationship might fall apart it just sort of says like we move on so it's sort of like your like your thank you next type of yeah in a sense yeah Okay. okay well let's hear a little of cherish And I understand that you're also going to play All My Life for us here in the studio. Yeah. (laughs) Very excited to hear that. So without further ado, here's All My Life. Like someone I always knew Feeling mystified 
if you're just <laughs> joining us, we're talking to Caroline Weinroth of Cinema Hearts. Let's move to your top five. All right. Okay. Was it hard to come up with this list? Um, yes and no. I really wanted to pick songs that did form my um, aural aesthetic. But it's funny <laughs> because... Nice alliteration there, by the way. <laughs> um, but it's funny that a lot of these songs, as I was like digging through, it was very nostalgic. And I realized how much I had grown from the time when I maybe had first listened to these songs or first started writing music or first started playing with Cinema Hearts. And, you know, it's it's sad and it's also very inspiring, very positive that, oh, just because things change doesn't mean it's bad. But um, nostalgia has always played a part in my songwriting and I find it like rather painful, so I avoid it. And I've avoided nostalgia pretty well for the past year and a half. Um, so then I decided to pick off the scab and uh, dive in. <laughs> Good for you. I think there's actually a scene in Mad Men where Don Dre, you know how, did you mm-hmm. ever watch Mad Men? Like a few episodes. Okay, he's always like waxing poetic in, right. in, in the boardroom making his presentation and he talks at one point about nostalgia and how it's not just looking back to the past, but like feeling that twinge of pain when you look back. Oh, yeah. Past. Yeah. So it's just it's kind of so. icky, but uh, yeah. So is yeah. any art making. This is true. You get glue okay. on your hands. So, on that note, speaking of pain, you chose <laughs> your first song is "Popsicles and Icicles," which, yeah, um, not <laughs> not exactly the first image you think of with pain. But um, the song is from 1964 by like a one-hit wonder group. Yes. And why is it on your list? Uh, this is one of my top favorite um, '60s girl group vocal doo-wop songs. Um, I first heard this song on a library compilation CD I got. Okay. So I checked, I used to check out CDs from the library and burn them to my iTunes. This was what we used to do. Totally legal. Um, And what, this compilation, I think it was called The Best of the Girl Groups. And this shaped me. And this was one of the songs on there. And I absolutely love it because it has sort of an eerie sound to it. Um, I think the fact that I really don't know anything about these women or these performers. They never really had another song, so they're just voices. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that very interesting. And how it's not only haunting in the song, but also of this era that kind of haunts me in a sense. And I I just love how the lyrics are very fun. Um, All of the imagery of you know, 1964, we have drive-ins, we have guitars, we have, like, the guy that we are got our crush on. Um, and I just I just love the song. <laughs> all right, so it sort of encapsulates all that for you. Yeah. So your second song is Please Be My Third Eye by La Sera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could definitely hear the influence <laughs> when I was listening to this. I'm like, yeah, there's a sort of a Cinema Hearts vibe about this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to know the song in college? Yes. Okay. So how did you come to know the song and how did it influence your sound? Because at that time mm-hmm. you didn't have a band. You were still no. presumably doing musical theater or Yeah, I was so I was a theater major. I wasn't cast in anything. Um I don't remember what else I used to do with my free time. But um, <laughs> uh I do remember though that I had this this is a very funny thing. I had this goal, I had this list of um like how to be better than boys at music. Because <laughs> like, did it literally say that? How it literally, it's something like music? that. Yeah, because okay. and the reason why was I was just 
tired of either dating these guys or being around these guys who kept just mansplaining everything to me. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to be better. I'm going to just like get down and like learn this stuff. So I used to, there used to be a website called InSound. It okay. was like a vinyl distributor, and they had these curated playlists, and you could download MP3s for free. Okay. Again, we're in the era where I had like the Napster iPod Classic. Yeah. Napster. Oh, no, wait, wait, you're too young for Napster. Uh, I forget. No, I'm sorry. This that was, was when I was This in was college. 2013. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so 10 years uh, uh, But um, okay. this was one of the songs that was uh, like the free download. Oh, okay. And I remember hearing it walking around campus. It was just playing on my iPod, and I loved it. And I just couldn't even nail why at the time. I think now I could say it's that perfect combination of having a very good, like, singer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Katie Goodman, who is the singer, she has a much higher voice, which she's very self-aware of. And having these uh, garage rock guitars behind it. And have it, there's passion in this song. There's drive. And I just think that's very cool. So you try to apply that toward your own sound? Yeah, for sure. And I think also something... Like with the title, Please Be My Third Eye, asking your other person, like, I want you so bad. I just want you to be, like, consumed within me. I want you to be, like, mm. my psychic presence, my being. Yeah. Um, that's weird. I love that. So. <laughs> so your third song is actually a musical theater tune. Try to remember. I always get, like, teary-eyed when I think of the song. Um, from the Fantastics. Um, so... You uh, used to be, as you were saying, really into musical theater. And, um, you know, this is one of the songs that spoke to you. Is this the song that is most important to you in the history of, you know, all the musicals? Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole musical. I've never been in the musical The Fantastics because there is no role for me to play. Um, (laughs) You keep saying this, but this cannot be true. No, it's true. Like, there's only uh, one role for women in the show, and she's a soprano, like, no argument. Okay. I can't sing that. Okay. Um, but I've always loved the songs in this show um, because, I mean, again, it kind of just speaks to young love and growing older and accepting that things change. And also one of my favorite lines from the show is, the play is never done until we've all of us been burned a bit and burnished by the sun. And that later came up uh when I was writing the lyrics to the song All My Life, and then it became the title of Cinema Heart's second album, Burned and Burnished. Got it. So your fourth song is I Want to Be Alone With You by La Luce. Um, and they're a band out of L.A., I think. Yeah, now they're based in L.A. Okay. Um, so you actually liked them for a while and then sort of um, were inspired by them with your own uh, bands and then ended up getting to open for them at Songbird? Yes, I should exaggerate it wasn't like I was obsessed I was and I think it's really funny to be like a super fan for a band that maybe is smaller I'm I mean super fan as in like I would tab out their songs on ultimate guitar so much I would transcribe their lyrics and analyze them for like genius.com like (laughs) obsessed um and what is it about (laughs) them that makes you so obsessed it's I think it's just the sisterhood of the four members like they're not they're not biological sisters but Mm -hmm. just their camaraderie together um and that each member is so important to the sound I love that they perfectly combined what I want to do and you know kind of pay tribute to the rock and roll acts that came before them through their sound but also do something completely different 
I also love that they combine a sort of creepiness and mysticism into their love songs. Um, I love that uh, their lead, Shana Cleveland, is a phenomenal guitarist and songwriter. Um, So, yeah, I was a fan for the longest time. I used to learn how to play guitar by playing their songs, and then I got to open for them, which was amazing. My theater teacher used to say, opportunity meets preparedness. Mm. That's something I live by. I like it. So your final song is one of my favorites as well. All right. Best American Girl by Mitski. Tell us why you appreciate the song. So the song is about Mitski, who is uh, Japanese American. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I think, like her identity, like how she fits within and also doesn't in the world of, I guess you could say, white American culture, Um, which is something that I've had to deal with a lot. And sort of the experience of, what is it like when you don't feel like you're good enough or American enough or anything enough for a person or an opportunity? And I've always loved Mitski's songs because she's so graceful but powerful. Mm. You know, she's able to have these very elegant lyrics behind these raw guitar lines. Um, I saw her perform at the 930 Club and it was so cool because she she normally plays guitar or bass live, but in this case, she was doing a lot of like modern dance. Oh, it was very abstract, and it was just beautiful. She was dancing herself. Yeah, she was dancing. Oh, I was totally unaware of that. I yeah, very cool. Highly recommend you uh, look up the clips. Look, look it up. That's it for us here on Formative Tracks. I want to thank Caroline Weinroth of Cinema Hearts for coming in to the studio today. Thanks for having me here. Uh, It was a pleasure. And thank you to the listeners for listening. And be sure to follow us online at Formative Tracks and tune in next week where we sit down with another D.C. area musician to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. (laughs) 